I'm Joe Forish, and this is You Say Data, I Say Data podcast. We talk about data, analytics, and its impact on business and society. We are the podcast for the Analytics Impact Network. Please visit us at analyticsimpactnetwork.org. Today on the inaugural show is our guest, Sue Krebs. She's an expert on analytics in the legal industry and is the founder of Conversion Analytics, LLC. Additionally, she is the founder of the Analytics Impact Network. Sue, welcome to the program. Hi, Joe. Thank you for having me. Sure. I'm excited to have you as well. Yes, it's exciting to be here for our inaugural podcast. Yes, yes, of course. Now, we have a lot to cover in, in a short amount of time. So I wanted to first start off with having you talk about your educational path as it relates to analytics. Great question. Um, I definitely, when I embarked on my bachelor's way back when, I definitely did not envision that I'd be working in analytics. I don't even think it was a thing at that time. Um, but I, I think it's interesting to note along the way. So I did a bachelor's in psychology and there were so many things that ended up being conducive to understanding analytics because we used the scientific method. Um, we did, we used some empirical uh, formulas and uh, hypothesis testing. Um, so those things were not completely foreign to me um, in terms of applying them later. And um, as an MBA, so I studied finance, but I did what my favorite class at the time was data mining. And it was definitely at the, this was in, let's say 2007, 2008. And it was kind of the very preliminary years, I think, of formalizing this stuff. Um, and so I took that away thinking, when is this going to become popular? You know, I would love to use this. But of course, we studied statistics as well, which, as you know, uh, being a fellow Harvard Business Analytics program graduate, yes, yes. That, that came in very handy um, for our, our recently conferred certificate. Um, so I think everything kind of culminated very well in hindsight, although I couldn't have seen that. Why did you like the data mining course? Yeah, um, so the course was called data mining. And um, at that time, we were starting to see the fallout from the mortgage-backed security uh, market. So the crash in 2008, and uh, we had a guest speaker from one of the big banks who was presenting um, the model that he was trying to implement at the time, whereby they would assess credit of uh, mortgage applicants and be able to predict the likelihood of default. And uh, you know, part of the subtext there was that this had not in fact been used and relied upon as it should have been, or perhaps we wouldn't have had the fallout that we did in terms of you know, what happened with, with securing mortgages back then. So that was really interesting. And um, it seemed perfectly logical that it would uh, come into fruition in business as really having uh, great impacts. And I see that now in the work that I do as well, although we're not as far along as, uh, legal is not as far along as say the financial industry. That's a very powerful statement because at that point in time, given what happened in the world, that really impacted everyone. So currently, you are an analytics strategy consultant at Conversion Analytics, LLC. What kind of work do you do there? Okay, so Conversion Analytics. So if you think about customer conversion, 
And we've mostly seen it in terms of uh, click rates and online metrics, conversion rates of, you know, taking a browser or a shopper and turning them into a paying customer and thereby selling a product. So convert at conversion analytics, we apply a similar type of um, approach to, to the legal services industry um, to be able to uh, use data that law firms have to start to predict and forecast where's the best, where we'll, we'll see the best return on our investment. So these are our clients, these are our customers, these are our potential ones, and there are an infinite number of places where we could put our marketing dollars and our operational investments uh, to see what kind of return we get. And so at Conversion Analytics, we help to use law firm data to create customized strategies for law firms to be able to say, we're not going to focus on this segment. We're going to move our focus to this segment to optimize their return on investment from in, in terms of marketing, business development, and operations. What's the acceptance rate of data analysis? Um, in legal, it really varies by firm. Uh, the culture has a lot to do with it, as you could imagine. I've worked for a firm that was a pioneer that won, uh, a, had an award-winning model uh, for predicting clients with a high likelihood for growth. And the entire firm operated just as a very entrepreneurial and innovative mindset um, with uh, utmost transparency. Those things really matter in terms of culture. I've also worked at the opposite of that, which is the smaller mom and pop environment, not necessarily uh, having the same resources for investment in things that would be deemed experimental at the moment. Um, so much more re resistance there and to, um, you know, not necessarily knowing when is the return going to come. Well, we could put some money in and have sophisticated modeling, but when do we see the return? And that uh, being intangible makes it a little more difficult for uh, sort of all firms to embrace it the same way. Mm -hmm. um, that said, it's embraced by legal more for the legal practice, like document review, for example. Um, there's actually a firm that has the first AI robot associate who's reviewing real estate documents and kind of knows what to look for. I'm sure it's not an actual robot. It's probably a computer, but right. it still conjures this image that there is, they are embracing analytics for use in legal, legal research and things of that nature. But with, with uh, conversion analytics, we're trying to do it more in terms of internal operating strategy and um, you know, where that can take the firm in terms of profitability. How does Ross the robot work? Yes, yeah, so my understanding, and this is uh, Ross the AI robot, um, and my, you can look him up on law.com or any of the publications. <laughs> uh, my understanding is that he, uh, he or it or she has uh, a repertoire of um, precedent, like case law, for example, and has developed sort of rules or algorithms that tell it, you know, if you look for these certain things or these certain patterns, these certain fact patterns, and maybe be able to identify um, whether they're relevant, what they're relevant to, are they relevant to certain statutes or, uh, and so it's, it's, a, it's ultimately like a document review robot that can flag things that humans would normally flag um, it, during the discovery process. Wow, that's very fascinating. Yeah. So I want to back up a little bit here and go back in time and, and really understand how did you get started in the legal industry? I wish there was an interesting story around that, Joe. <laughs> but like most of us, that I'm a firm believer in that 
uh, everybody doesn't just have one career, um, that oftentimes we fall into our first one. And then somewhere around now, like many of our colleagues are doing, we kind of readjust and, and pivot into something we really love and that incorporates all the things we really love. Um, I started in legal because a friend of a friend of a friend of a cousin had a position opening as a filing clerk and she uh, called me in to interview. And when I showed up, she just put me to work. I was 19 years old and I was in college. And so I worked there and I went to college at night and that, you know, fast forward, this is the path that I've been on that's basically become my domain knowledge uh, over the years. Okay, so it sounds like you believe in serendipity. Yeah, well, in that sense, it was paying the, the bills. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's serendipitous in terms of working in the legal industry and then serendipitous in terms of going back to school at Harvard to study data analytics. Yeah, I suppose you could say that. Where in the legal industry do opportunities exist for the use of data analysis? So I mentioned earlier that, so we're, we talked about the robot, they're using it for legal work, and there are companies that focus entirely on advancing the profession from an analytics tech AI standpoint on the legal side. So throughout my career, I've been on the operations side. So I've been in recruiting, marketing, business development, um, a little bit in human resources. And this is where law firms can, right now, can start, begin. Some are a little bit ahead of the curve, but the majority haven't really started looking at this wealth of data that they've compiled over the years unknowingly um, in large part. And so in areas like, um, when you talk about operations, uh, client in-depth client analysis, knowing who your clients are, which are the good ones, which are the profitable ones, which have longevity, um, analyzing your own expertise, which in legal is the product that you're selling is what do our lawyers do? What are they good at? So having ways to look into that uh, and analyze it better. People analytics, so understanding how to capitalize on the talent that you have and in the right types of positions. Um, I feel like that also comes into play in uh, trend analysis. So looking out there in the marketplace and being able to say, this is where we need to be present and this is where we don't need to be present for X, Y, Z reasons. But if you try to combine all of that data together and make that uh, sort of cohesive analysis, uh, you know, that devises then your strategy, that's a very difficult uh, project to do. And so I think law firms are, in terms of their engagement, they're at the point of maybe starting to look at descriptive statistics. And that's a wow moment for many of them. To simply be able to look at a billable hour rate and say, oh, our biggest client isn't our most profitable client. How do you convince senior partners at law firms to use data? In my experience, what I've learned is, um, yeah, there's a resistance to talking about data. It's scary and people don't know what to do with it. But if, you know, in our roles, we can bring things from the data, which we know is half of the battle, at least, if you can get your data in great order, if you can figure out what variables matter and which ones don't, but all the way through the analysis and then to the visualization. So when I go into a partner's office and I have that one slide, that unbeknownst to them may have taken hours and hours of analysis to get to, but it arrives at a conclusion that, or a prediction that they can then incorporate in their day-to-day. -day. Like, I'll give you an example. We do not discount rates at the onset of a relationship with clients. That's not a way to get them in the door. 
and then raise rates later or make you know better profit later and how do we know this they don't want to see the data all they need to know is that that is that's the fact we arrived at it through a very you know methodical uh approach um and so this is this goes to the the point of how you present things to people um so I don't even I don't even talk about data in most of my conversations with lawyers, and then you'll get, stand to gain better buy-in um, by just sort of presenting findings and what they mean in the lawyers' day-to-day. -day. What is the difference between business development analytics and marketing analytics? In a lot of law firms, business development, marketing, these terms are sort of interchangeable. Um, Although we know that within that umbrella, there are a lot of different things, communications, advertising, um, business development has really a more uh, business plan connotation. Um, like this is where you start, you, you're working shoulder to shoulder with the very top of the top partners and you're saying, we have this group of 200 lawyers that specialize in X. We need clients. What do we do? So it's this really high level strategic question, like what are going to be our top, you know, five initiatives for this year, but that are going to be so streamlined that, you know, if these are our five principles, strategic principles will operate by anyone in the group that can understand them, take them. And as long as their activities are governed by them, then we're all putting money toward the right thing, putting, you know, investing in the right thing. But there's a whole nother side to marketing that you can't really quantify and law firms this is a pervasive problem in law firms. They talk about the ROI question. We put, you know, a million dollars toward our business development and marketing department this year. And what have we gotten back? How do we know which clients came in the door as a result of that million dollars that we spent? So how do you know if it works? To find a way to mark this matter came in the door. We earned a million dollars by, by, by working on it. Um, how do we trace back that that was as a result of this $50,000 event? that we, that we planned is almost impossible. So uh, this new way of thinking in my view and uh, what conversion analytics is about is um, being able to say, well, let's not take the matter that came in the door, the new work that came in the door and try to trace it back to a marketing function. Instead, let's go into the data to devise our business development strategy to begin with so that we know by like inductive reasoning or going sort of reverse engineering it, that we are focusing on what our data and predictive modeling is telling us is going to be the best return on investment. So in a sense, we solved that problem by sort of working back backwards and using data. That does make sense. I feel, I feel that maybe some of the senior people you deal with are using the old John Wanamaker quote. And he said that, Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. Oh, that's exactly the, the problem, yeah. But, but you, Sue, you're, you're saying, no, that's not the case. Here's the data. I have the data to prove to you that we're not wasting money on advertising. We're actually getting a return on the money that we're spending. Even one step better than that, Joe, which is we're not spending any money unless we've derived by looking at the data and producing models that this is the right place to put the money. So we Ooh. solve that problem, right, exactly. What's the difference between law firms that use data analysis and those that don't? So this, this is definitely a, a question of culture. Um, the legal industry has sort of a reputation as being like a 
somewhat conservative in their business management compared to, you know, let's say the big tech companies. Um, and so that, that culture is pervasive. You know, it starts from the top. And um, when you talk about change or change agents and, you know, moving away from the traditional way that they have developed business over the years, which largely was the, the phone just rang and it, you know, the business came their way. And it's just so competitive right now that um, it's become so competitive over the years uh, that that just doesn't happen anymore. Some firms have accepted that reality and moved toward using new approaches and realizing that unless they are the best and using the most cutting edge approaches, they are not going to win out in the, you know, amongst the competition. Um, and some firms, maybe they have a niche area and they don't think that the competition is such, and that could be the case. They don't think the competition is such that they're subject to it. That could be the case, although I don't know for how long. Um, or you just have some firms that are, are, you know, have leadership that has a different philosophy and likes to keep things traditional and the family approach. And that certainly works in some markets. So, so it sounds if, if you are a legal firm that does not use data analysis, that you may be in for some trouble in the near term or, or long term with your business. Uh, I would agree with that 100%. And I would say that, that if I had to guess, I would say that maybe 20% are using any type of analytics for these internal kinds of uh, efficiency measures. Exactly, exactly. So it sounds like it's a great opportunity for you and I'm your hoping, firm. I'm hoping so. I'm working with one firm right now. Um, I don't wanna name them for confidentiality, but they're a European firm. And uh, ironically, even though they're in Europe, they're, well, they're, they're really cutting edge and they like new approaches. And I'm working with their um, business development strategy, but also pricing. What are the differences between European clients and American clients? Well, GDPR comes up all the time. Right, right. <laughs> and, and with different strengths, whether you're in the US or in Europe. Um, and I suppose it does good things, but if you're on the business development side, no one really likes it. It's sort of a headache. <laughs> so um, the regulations can be different. Um, I'm sure there. I'm sure that there are probably privacy differences with respect to client uh, privacy for client data. Um, but I think that in terms of you know economics is economics. So if you can analyze the the profitability of a client in one firm in the U.S., you can do the same in Europe. Now, overall, when it comes to data, whether it's within the legal industry or just data in general, what questions should we be asking? So I've definitely been in environments and where people are, everybody's on the AI frenzy running around saying, we have to use AI. What can we use it for? And um, the better question is, what question do we have to answer that can't be solved without AI? You know, so really starting with a business case um, for something. I, I, I do think that's important. Um, and I also just would add that with respect to data, a lot can be gleaned from imperfect data. Um, there are plenty of times where we can come to a conclusion and a partner can say, well, you can't tell me with a 95% confidence interval or, you know, 100% certainty that there aren't cases where there would be an exception and it would be the opposite way. And often we're, we're stuck with, you know, the data is what it is. We can only work with what we have. But the insights we're giving you are much better 
than not having them or not much better than nothing. So the, the way you set the bar when you deal with data and when you determine whether you can glean insights, just because it's not perfect or there may be missing variables, it doesn't mean that it's, it's useless. It, it sounds like you need to appeal both on a logical and more importantly on an emotional scale when you're trying to change people's mind around using analytics. Yes, and that is so hard. The emotional part is so, so hard. But yes, so you can even use these as examples. You know, well, I'm not saying it's 100%, but this is very insightful to see that our real estate practice, you know, produces XYZ in comparison to the litigation client practice or the, just these even broadest um, sumerical kind of descriptive analytics are so valuable to start to get people thinking about it. And it's an evolution. Great point. What, what parting comments do you have for us? Parting comments? Yeah. Of course, I would selfishly say, well, I just want to say thank you to um, the 12 of us right now who are founding members of the Analytics Impact Network. And uh, even though we're just starting out, it's kind of nowhere without the diversity of talent and diversity of uh, industry and truly having, you know, 12 really heavy hitting uh, professional level leadership people. And so um, if we're, if it's an imperfect podcast, as with imperfect data, it doesn't mean there's nothing valuable that comes out of it. And I think <laughs> I would just say thank you to everyone who's kind of made AIN start to happen. And I think that um, there's a lot, there's a lot more of these uh, coming in future. And Joe, you were great. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation. <laughs> it was very delightful. Thank you for being on the show. I'd like to thank Sue Krebs for all of her valuable insights. Thank you for listening to the You Say Data, I Say Data podcast. To become a member, sponsor, donor, or podcast guest, please visit us at analyticsimpactnetwork.org.